The reading is uh, taken today from Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, and you can find that on page 1184 of the Pew Bible. We'll just yet let the uh, young people leave first. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peter is going to come and preach to us now, and we'll just pray for him. Father, we thank you for your word that does transform us. Allow it to transform us today. Be with Peter as he speaks and teaches us, and help us to receive it as from you. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Sarah. Some of you uh, may have missed uh, a couple of these sessions, but, uh, or may even uh, be new at Christchurch. And uh, what we're doing is we're looking at a series produced by the LICC, which is the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, uh, and they produced this material called Whole Life Worship. And uh, the, the series really is, is all about encouraging us as Christians, as believers, to, to do just that. That our whole life uh, is an act of worship to God. Not just our Sunday worship or our Sunday services of uh, you know, the 9 o'clock or the 10.30, uh, but uh, all of our lives, the rest of our week, being uh, an act of worship. And I love the way that the message translation puts, uh, puts that uh, from Romans chapter 12. Our sleeping eating, going to work, and walking around lives. And uh, this week, uh, the theme of um, uh, this service, particular service and of this week, is that worshipping, as it says there, worshipping transforms our everyday actions. Worshipping transforms our everyday actions. And um, we'll unpack that and look at that in relation to Colossians 3 uh, in just a moment. But we're going to look at the video that goes uh, with the theme of this week. Thank you. 
down. Grit. Let me tell you a story. It's a fable. It's uh, an old Chinese fable. It's called The Emperor's New Clothes. You might remember it from your childhood. There's a deceitful and unscrupulous con artist who seeks to trick the king. He wishes to sell the king a new set of clothes. The clothes, he says, will be, will be made from the finest cloth and every stitch will be perfectly made. And on top of everything else, these clothes will be completely invisible to anyone else who does not have excellent character and amazing talents. As the king heard this, his eyes lit up at the thought of such a wondrous garment. He must have this wonderful new suit, he thought. So he commissioned the man to make him a new set, a new suit of clothes. A few days later, the man arrived at the king's door holding only an empty hanger. Look, he said, isn't this wonderful to behold? Feel the smoothness of the fabric and notice how it shimmers. In the entire world, there is not a finer set of clothes. Well, the king could not admit that he couldn't see the clothes. Only the lowly and, and useless people could, couldn't see them. So the king fawned over the garments and spoke of how impressed he was with the clothes. Come, said the man, you must try them on. So the king called for his servants to help him remove his old clothes and get into the new. Now, of course, none of the servants could see the imaginary clothes either, but none could admit that to the king. They all oohed and aahed over the clothes and complimented both the king and the con man. Finally, somebody suggested that the king should hold a grand parade and show off his new clothes to the kingdom. So the next morning, they assembled all the citizens of the kingdom and the king put on his new clothes and paraded down the main street, stark naked. Well, that's a fable, isn't it? But it's got a lot of uh, value in it as we reflect on what Paul says to the Colossians. If you haven't got it open, please do. Colossians chapter 3. And... In this passage, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul is talking about our new identity in Christ. You see, as Christians, it is possible to cover up our true identity as those who now belong to Christ. But that's not the life of a worshipper, is it? To conceal the truth. So what does it mean to be an everyday worshipper? Does it mean we have to sing, shine, Jesus, shine, as we walk down the shopping aisles in Sainsbury's? Does it mean stopping your boss before uh, an important work meeting and say, boss, we need to pray before the meeting when that is never done? Not necessarily. It means that whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. Our whole lives become lives of worship. Living for Jesus isn't something that is just on our to-do list. It's to flow out of our new identity in Christ. So let's think about that firstly, our identity, who we are. 
If you notice, the passage that Margaret just read begins with the word therefore. And as, as I've said before, the therefore is therefore a reason. And so we've got to look back and see what Paul has just been saying. So look back to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, where he says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul is saying that because we have been saved... Because Jesus is alive, because he has won the victory over everything that is evil, and he's now seated at the right hand of God the Father, set your mind on things that are associated with that truth. The old way of life, he says, has gone. That old way of life of, of, of sin, of corruption, of waywardness, of wickedness. He says that old way of life has gone. That old set of clothes has been replaced by a glorious new set of clothes, which are invisible, yes, but they are lived out in visible and concrete ways in our everyday lives. And so Paul encourages the Colossians, and therefore us, as we read these words today, to put off the old set of clothes of lying and slander and quarrels and rage and bad language. So, for example, he says in verse 9, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And that, that's the old way of life that Christ has done away with. And instead, Paul says, put on the new set of clothes. And so he then goes on to outline what that is, what the new way of life is characterized by. And he then talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are the motivation for our new life in Christ. So let's think about that. Second point, our motivation, why we can. Verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So it's not, it's not enough just to take off the old set of clothes, not like the silly emperor who walked around stark naked. No, we've got to get dressed in the new clothes, the new set of clothes, clothes that fit our new way of life as people who have said yes to Jesus and to his love. And it makes sense, doesn't it? What he's saying to the Colossians. To wear appropriate clothes for someone who is following Christ. After all, it wouldn't be right for a footballer to go to a football match dressed in golfing clothes. Wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right for a, a, a fireman to go to uh, put a fire out dressed as a farmer. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right for a surgeon to go into the operating theatre dressed as a shop assistant. We get dressed in the clothes that fit the circumstances, don't we? And so as Christians, Paul says, we need to get dressed in the clothes that suit us as people who are now living in the grace of God to his glory. However, 
It doesn't happen automatically. Paul says we must choose, we must work, we must strive to be like Christ and to be clothed in his character. It's about active participation in that process, that putting on process. We need to dress ourselves. No one is going to dress us for us. So let's look at the characteristics that Paul talks about that mark us out as different to the world. And note here, importantly, that character is not the same as personality. You can be a quiet Christian as well as, a, you know, you can be a quiet Christian. You don't have to be a noisy Christian. You can be a noisy Christian. You don't have to be a quiet Christian. Uh, you can live a life that glorifies Jesus if you're an extrovert and loving having all the attention on you. Let me just say, I'm not actually an extrovert, and so I've got to do this, but everybody's looking at me. Uh, but, you know, you can, you can be an extrovert and have everybody wanting to look at you, and that's, that's what you want. Or you can be an introvert and say, well, actually, I want to be away from everybody looking at me and, and be somewhere quiet. We're not talking about personality here. We're talking about character. We're talking about our habits, our attitudes, our day-to-day dealings with other people. We're talking about what you and I are like under pressure. And it's when we're under pressure that actually that's when it tells. That's what marks us out as believers. And so let's look at that uh, briefly, what he talks about. Uh, I won't uh, pick out all of these characteristics, but just a few. Compassion. He talks about, Paul says, put on compassion. Compassion is a genuine concern for people. It's caring about people, caring about their hurts, their needs, their sorrows, their joys. Did Jesus have compassion for people? Of course he did. Ask the lepers who were healed. Ask the blind man who saw the sunrise for the first time. Ask the lame man who was made to walk. Ask the lonely and the drifting who were given fellowship and direction. Ask the demon-possessed who were given a new life and a fresh start. Compassion was made a living reality in the life of Jesus. Paul says put on compassion. He says also put on humility. Let me give you a definition of humility. Humility is not thinking little of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. Humility is not thinking little of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. And the opposite of humility is pride. And we needed to have taken pride off as part of our old sinful nature uh, because self is really uh, one of the major causes of the problems in our lives. Think about the things that pride does or causes. It might be things like marriage breakdown. It might be church splits. It might be family divisions. It might be arguments between neighbours. It might be community friction, etc., etc., And that's why Jesus says we are to die to ourselves each day and put God first, others second, ourselves last. One more. I'm not going to pick them all out, but another one. These are daunting qualities, aren't they? But this one, forgiveness. Forgiveness. We're asked to put on forgiveness. Again, look at Jesus. What did he do? As he was being nailed to the cross, as they were driving those nails into his hands, what did he do? He prayed forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And verse 13 speaks into that as well. Bear with each other 
and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so this is a very personal thing, and I'm not asking you to, to tell me, but you may want to just reflect on this with the Lord. Do you have a grudge against anyone? Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you harbor malice against anyone? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then Paul says, over all these virtues, put on love that binds these virtues together. Without that love, that binding ingredient of love, all these others just fall away. Or for those of you who can, who can sew or knit, which isn't me, no matter how the material, no matter how fine the material is that you're using, if the thread is no good, then the whole garment will never hold together. Love is the key, it's the glue that holds these characteristics together and makes it a garment worth wearing. And so we're called to live the characteristics of Christ. Also called to follow the pattern of Christ. Notice, as Paul is talking about Jesus, how many times he talks about the pattern set by Jesus. In verse 12, Paul addresses us as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Those are titles of privilege. And then he talks about the qualities we're to put on, the qualities associated with our calling. And so he says in verse 13, as we've just thought about, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's the Lord's forgiveness that's our motive for us to turn our bitterness into forgiveness. In verse 15, it's the peace of Christ which is to rule our lives. In verse 16, it's the word of Christ the message of Christ, which is to dwell amongst us as we teach and admonish each other in wisdom. And finally, in verse 17, we do it all in the name of Christ. That's our motivation in Christ. And then thirdly and lastly, where we are, our situations, who we are, what we do, wherever we are. And so Paul calls us, encourages us to, to live the characteristics of Christ, to follow the pattern of Christ. But how does it work out in our lives day by day, on our front lines? How do we live out this hope that God has called us to? How can we be fruitful for him? I think the key is verse 17. Paul says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. What does that mean? Self-explanatory. Whatever you do. It's about whole life worship, whole life discipleship. It's not just about singing the songs in, in church that we sing. It's not about the beloved rotors that we're on. It's about where we go, whatever we do. Living the characteristics of Christ, following the pattern of Christ. And so for me, it's about where I go. And me asking myself continually, have I put on the new clothes that characterize those who belong to Jesus? And so it might be when I go to the primary school, which I go to quite a lot uh, there as, as vicar. Uh, one of the places I am scrutinized 
and watched. And people are wondering, are my actions, are my words going together? And wondering if that's the case. And the only really, be- the best way to do that would be to find out from the children and the staff. And to ask them, is Peter known for qualities like patience and humility and gentleness? It's daunting stuff, isn't it? I wonder about where you are. How would that be for you? But what reassures me and gives me hope is that the Colossians were ordinary people like you and like me. They've got ordinary jobs and pretty ordinary lives. But what marks them out and makes them different and distinct is their extraordinary love for God and for each other. How do we know that? Look back to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Some of the opening verses of his letter. Paul writes this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Paul is saying, well done. Great job. Keep going. They're living lives that glorify God and they're sharing that love with those around them. What about us? What about you? What about me? What about our church? It's a big challenge, isn't it? But we're not on our own because God is with us. And as I like to remind myself on my front line, one plus God equals a majority. Let's pray. In the nine o'clock service, we sang a wonderful hymn that says, fill me with life in you. God, fill us with your life anew and afresh each day. Breathe, Breathe on us, breath of God. Breathe on us your breath anew. Lord, as we go out into the world, as we go out into a world that is divided, that is full of these old ways of life. You call us to live a life of being characterized by the qualities of Christ. Fill us with life in you. To live a life of the pattern of Christ. Fill us with your life in you. Help us live lives, Lord, that do indeed bring glory to you wherever we are, whatever we do because you have brought us into the kingdom of your Son. And in his name we pray. Amen.